3: and come on joined by Donnie Wrightside. So we're going to go to Major League Baseball to start our number 2. We're talking about some of the stuff that's gone on over the weekend in Major League Baseball. We'll preview some of today's board and then we'll really hit the NBA, two games, reset all of the odds involving the NBA. Uh, the appropriate starting spot Donnie in Major League Baseball is one of the two or just both New York teams uh, just really playing some fantastic baseball. Let's start with the Mets since they were on Sunday Night Baseball. This team is 16-7, and 7, and this team, Donnie, has won each of the first seven series that they have played in a franchise record. What do you make of the Mets' hot start to this season?
4: It's not that surprising, but I guess it's a little surprising in the fact that Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer aren't leading the way here for the New York Mets is where you probably thought they would win the majority of the games. Hey, we got the top two starters in baseball, what figures like, and then we'll figure out, you know, three, four, and five in our rotation, and we'll get some timely hitting, and we'll win baseball games. But typically, you see, before the season even starts with the Mets, they lose maybe the best pitcher of the last decade in Jacob deGrom, who they're basically telling now, hey, man, take a vacation here. We actually don't need you right now, which is incredible. So when you have the perfect storm of a lineup that is talented and is supposed to hit and is hitting and a front front line pitching staff that's supposed to have Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer and then you throw in an owner that goes luxury tax, salary cap, yeah, I don't think so. At the trade deadline, we'll probably get the best player or the best few players at the deadline because they don't care how much money they have to spend. That's a dangerous combination because when you have a talented team with no physical responsibility from ownership that says, I can't go into a luxury tax, watch out for the Mets because if they do stay healthy, which is always the question, Kevin, isn't it? Throughout baseball the past couple of years, boy, look at that pitching staff. Nobody can compete with them You know, by two months into the season. Oh, boy, look at that pitching staff. And the Wilpons don't want to spend any money to get actual better pitchers to try to line them up. The Mets are going to be a problem. And the fact that they're a problem without the Grom, That's going to send shivers up the spine of anybody in the NL at this point.
3: I almost forgot to mention, they no-hit the Phillies in this series. Yeah, it was a combined no-hitter, so obviously it doesn't grab, you know, Scherzer completes no-hitter headlines or, or, or something like that. But, Donnie, they're doing it in each way, right? Like, they scored 10 runs here on Sunday Night Baseball, and in the same series, they take down, right, the, the Phillies lineup, a really good lineup. I don't care what the weather is, Donnie. A really good lineup with their pitching. I mean, they have 108 runs scored, Donnie. The Padres and the Giants are the only two teams in front of them at 109 apiece. So, Donnie, I mean, yeah, you talk about the recipe for success. Their top three in runs scored, their top three in runs allowed. It, it sometimes can be that simple, but we expected the runs allowed. This team's got the boost from Francisco Lindor. He looks like the guy they've paid for. Jeff McNeil's hot to plate again. Starling Marte's, you know, delivered in varying spots for them. But it's been timely. And let's not also forget, Donnie, one of the big changes for the New York Mets. Buck Walter. Look, Buck Walter has just won every single place he's gone, right? To some level, Donnie. So... I don't think it's ridiculous. I know we always ask ourselves in 2022, how much does a manager matter in Major League Baseball? It's a fair question. But I can't look at a 16-7 and seven start, seven straight series victories for the New York Mets and not think about how Buck Showalter is impacting this team. Let's take the radio audience into the mix here. Appreciate everybody who's tuned in to the early line. On a Monday morning, I'm Kevin Walsh. I'm joined, of course, by Donnie Wright's side. And Donnie, the Mets are off to a great start. They don't even have the best record of Major League Baseball anymore. Nine wins in a row for the New York Yankees. They are 16 and 6, and their offense is absolutely heating up. This team is winning of, you know. You look, Donnie, they scored 10 versus the Guardians. It was like, wow, they finally clicked. They followed up. They scored 12 the next game versus Baltimore. They had another double-digit game versus Baltimore. They had a double-digit game in this series versus Kansas City. Judge Homer twice yesterday. The
4: bats are hot in the Bronx. Yeah, the bats are hot in the Bronx, and also Garrett Cole turning into the ace that we thought he was. Maybe he found yeah. spider tack too to try to get hey. back into the uh, good graces of those Yankee fans. But having said that, if you this is one of those teams where just a few weeks ago where you joke like, hey, take those Yankees in the fifth inning. Why? Because they can't score. That's no longer the case right now. When you have your big boppers going yard, that's certainly going to help you out. But also take a look at this. You're right. 106 runs scored on the season, which is very good in Major League Baseball. But how about a league leading? runs against of 65 when you're looking at a yankees baseball team sure mm-hmm. you have garrett cole at the top and like, hey, not a lot of huge money pitchers there behind garrett cole but if they're going to produce from all the way through from top line starters through your bullpen and you're going to be one of the best if not the best runs against teams in major league baseball you are going to win a lot of games and the yankees before hitting weather even gets here kevin Nine straight W's as they look to expand their lead over the Toronto Blue Jays, which they lead by a game and a half. That's a great start for the Yankees. And just a few weeks ago, we probably weren't expecting this. With Garrett Cole struggling and the bats slow, that's no longer the case anymore in New York.
3: The the Garrett Cole point you bring up is is really really important. He's uh, first time since 2021, I think August, he went back to back starts without allowing a run, and this is the thing about the Yankees if you've been paying attention. Like I know there was a variation of the Yankees that didn't have pitching and the bats were awesome, but last year and then the beginning of this season, it's a great staff with subpar bats. The bats have now met the level of the staff, and they are right now the best team in baseball. We'll preview some major league baseball next year on The Early Line.
2: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
3: Back right here on Sportscript. Before we move over to some of the Major League Baseball preview. I wanted to bring up, Donnie, the American League MVP market right now because it is spearheaded by two Los Angeles Angels who, while we're talking about best records, deserve some mention. A 15-8 and start for the Los Angeles Angels, Donnie. And it's also kind of led to a tight race here between Otani and Trout at the top of that AL MVP board.
4: Yep, this is your fear. This is your fear if you were coming into the season saying, I think Otani's gonna have a very good year. And I think Mike Trout is also going to have a very good year. I don't know how you can bet either one of them. Now, granted, one of those might be the best two players in baseball. That's why they're being priced at, and roughly so, plus three fifty here on Otani, plus four hundred on Mike Trout, but behind him is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at four fifty, Jose Ramirez deep down there in the hole at twelve to one. So if we're led to believe, and this is like against like every single thing you know. Headed to like just, I don't know, a prom vote, I guess it would be, where you have three people and two people are best friends. They split the crowd, and then the third. How did that person win? Because she or he got more votes because the other two split the votes here. So sometimes it's not the best overall player. But if you're looking at it from a position where, Who do you vote for here where there's going to be a divide? Otani, Trout, and then there's Vladimir Guerrero. Get those extra picks here loaded up because you're not fighting anybody from your own baseball team here, Kevin, to be an MVP of a league. Even though Otani, as I said, might be the best. Mike Trout might be the best. I think they're getting hurt by being on the same team here, Kevin.
3: I I ultimately think, though, now that you have – the Angels winning Donnie mm-hmm. this is going to be a scenario where they really can leave the rest of the group in the in the in the mud, Donnie. Because they both they've combined now for what? Trout has two MVPs and Otani has one, mm-hmm. Donnie, or Trout has maybe three MVPs. How many winning seasons do, do they have though, Donnie, during those MVP years, right? So if this team, Donnie, wins the AL West, while maybe it could be hard for someone to choose between the two, which I understand what you're getting at there. you you might only be choosing between those two. I know Vladdy Jr's in the mix right now based on the odds. If Buxton ever stays healthy, you know, Aaron Judge, Jose Ramirez kind of rounding out that top six. But that those two guys and what they do really is, it's unlike anybody else, and they're just off to such a fantastic start. And I think, to be honest on it, I should also just kind of, I guess, acknowledge that they are, you know, 15-8 and eight right now. The Astros' odds to win that AL West has come all the way down to minus 135. The White Sox odds, by the way, Donnie, from the AL Central have come down to minus 130. So I know you're getting ready to turn the calendar when it comes to Major League Baseball betting. I think what we're also seeing now in the FanDuel Sportsbook is a big enough sample size to start really adjusting some of these division winner prices.
4: Yeah, and you're starting to see some of the teams that you thought might be a division winner before the season, a little bit n- or not so pricey, I should say, now getting even more pricey. Dodgers, 270. Brewers, 250 here. The Mets now moving into a prohibitive favorite here to win the NL East at minus 145. You're seeing the haves and the have-nots, but still looking at the White Sox there at a minus 130 price. But you're right. Like Typically, you're through one month of a season. Hey, now we're going to start to head towards the middle. I mean, you have so long in baseball here, April, May, June, July, August, and September, that these standings and these teams are going to be going back and forth quite drastically here because you take a look at the Toronto Blue Jays, still not in first place here in the AL East, but a plus-115 favorite here to win the AL East over the Yankees at a plus-170 price who are playing very good baseball and are in the lead. It's just a matter of some value shaking loose here. Once you get towards that, you know, All-star game balance in July. You'll know, really, the winners and the losers here from first to second to third place in the divisions. But you're right. After one month in the season, you can start making educated guesses saying, hey, look at this. Yeah, the Mets are a really good baseball team. Maybe they were a little bit shaky to start with no DeGrom, but seemingly, once they get DeGrom back, they'll be head and shoulders above anybody else here in the NL East.
3: Yeah, uh, things starting to move around. Let's go back to the Angels, Donnie. They're in action today. They're going to close it out Mm -hmm. with the Chicago White Sox, so it all kind of pairs together nicely here. Chicago is a favorite at home around a minus 125 price. The total for this one is 7.5. Cease, Sandoval, where do you see the value in this game, Donnie?
4: Yeah, this will be an interesting one that you try to break down because Cease has been very good. Now, take a look at this. His X hip is a little bit high at 4.10. Not disastrous, but he does get good amount of strikeouts here, 30% of the batters he's faced, and also walk percentage is a little bit high at roughly 10% of the batters that he's faced do reach base by a free ticket on a walk. Now, let's take a look because this is nice now, right? We get into May. How many times were I talking about, hey, 10 batters he faced from the left side and 14 batters from the right side. You have a decent marketplace to work out of. And with see 45 batters that he's faced from the left-hand side, a 306 weighted on-base percentage and an ISO power number of 026, which is fantastic here. 47 batters that he's faced Kevin from the right-hand side, a 218 weighted on-base percentage and an 093 ISO power number. Sensational stuff. Now, let's flip it over and say, okay, well how's Sandoval, the lefty going to match up against the Chicago White Sox? What in the past do we say, Kevin? As soon as you see a lefty on the mound against the White Sox, it's an automatic play. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, rightfully so with what we've seen over the past few years, but maybe not necessarily this year. Sandoval, 385 XFIP number, which is decent, striking out close to 33% of the batters that he's faced on the season. But also, check this out. You know, lefties usually want to stack up right handed batters, which in today's lineup for the White Sox, Kevin, we're anticipated to have all nine batters here from the right side. So you want to say to yourself, okay, lefties don't matter because why would you be capping that? It's not going to face any lefties in the lineup. So we'll take that out of the equation, which he's only phase 12 and is dominated. But take a look at this right handed batters, Kevin, he's faced 48 on the season, 255 weighted on base percentage and an ISO power number of 048. So this is the perfect game to say, okay, I'm going to bet blind here with the Chicago White Sox going up against a lefty. But be honest, this lefty is absolutely dominated right-handed batters. And if you take a look here in the lineup, Anderson, Robert, Grandal, and Vaughn have had very good numbers, weighted on base percentage versus lefty pitchers. The rest of that lineup, Pollock, Berger, Engel, and Harrison, anticipated to be in the lineup, don't have very good numbers. So if you're going to strike, you better strike in the first five batters here with the White Sox.
3: Mm, Super interesting breakdown. Even while you were talking about it, the 7.5, more juice added to the under. Now minus 124. So it looks like this is uh, likely to get to a flat 7 at some point on the FanDuel Sportsbook there. That White Sox versus lefty trend, we know it well. I want to uh, go to Royals-Cardinals, Donnie, uh, sticking with some central-focused baseball here. This is an early game, uh, so if you're on Sports Grid Radio, 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern on Moneyline, Don and I will be following this one here. Zach Granke's on the road. Steven Matz is at home. Very low 7, Donnie, but this one's minus 124. To the over, what do you think about St. Louis and KC?
4: As a handicapper, this is one of the tougher games that, when I look at it, what I like to see, really make you scratch your head. So let's take a look at Zach Greinke on the season, a 5.68 XFIP, which is terrible. Why does he have that number here? Well, strikeout percentage, Kevin. Only 7% of the batters that come up to the plate actually strike out here. And he primarily is not that dominant guy that you saw 10, 15 years ago out of Zach Greinke. Now, take a look at this. 37 batters, Kevin, he's faced on the left-hand side. A 235 weighted on base percentage. Great. An ISO power number of 030. Tremendous stuff here. From the right side here for Zach Ranky. 50 batters that he's faced, A 304 weighted on base percentage, which is very good. And an ISO power number of 109, which is equally as good. But that XFIT might get him into trouble. But here's the problem. Just to keep it quick, Kevin. I'm going to give you the ISO power numbers here coming up today for right-handed pitching going up against the lineup for the Cardinals. 069, 032, 074, 0, 083, 119, 026, and 0? Where are the runs coming from today? So even though it is May and the weather might be starting to get nicer, Kevin, I got no choice but to mm-hmm. lean on an under today because neither one of these lineups project very well versus the starting pitchers they're going up against. I will mention this quickly
3: on Steven Matz. The Cardinals obviously just brought him in. He's got two starts in St. Louis, two on the road. The two on the road, Don, has been awesome. Ten and two-thirds. He's allowed only one earned run. It's gone great. In St. Louis, seven innings, 11 earned runs. Mm. He has been rocked for whatever reason. It's early. Super small sample size, but he's been rocked early in St. Louis. We'll preview some more Major League Baseball. Yankees, Blue Jays is starting, and your NBA preview is coming up All right, we got two more games to preview for you on this Baseball slate, and then we will get back to the NBA. Yanks, Blue Jays. Let me give you a quick take here, Donnie, before we talk about the game. Right now, the Blue Jays are plus 115 to win the AL East. The Yankees are plus 170. It's a three-game set. If the Yankees sweep, I'm not saying that they're going to. In fact, I don't think they will. That's super unlikely. But if they do and they continue their winning streak, Donnie, I believe the Yankees will jump the Toronto Blue Jays mm. and become the favorite to win the AL East.
4: Yeah, that makes about sense because we, you overcompensate here still about a month into the season about moving some of these odds around and you try to say, okay, now the Yankees would be like four and a half games ahead of Toronto, which is very hard to come back from even with four months left, left to go in the season. That's a nice start to have. But if we take a look at this game overall, Kevin, between the Yankees and Toronto, man, I wish I had better news to deliver here in the month of May. Like, whoa, everybody's got green lights, and here we go. Because still cooler temperatures here in the Northeast. Now the game is going to be in Toronto, so if the temperatures are too cool, yes, they can still close the roof. But to get this here, Montgomery's expected the to mound today, the lefty here for the New York Yankees. x XFIP numbers over five, which is never good. And that's usually a direct you know, correlation to you're not striking out enough batters here because quite frankly, some of the numbers that Jordan Montgomery has to lefty and righty batters don't match up with that XFIP. So sooner or later, something is going to probably have to give. Lefties, 217 weighted on base percentage, zero ISO number. If we take a look at righties, 69 batters he's faced from the right side here, 257 weighted on base percentage, which is fantastic, and an ISO power number of an 01, which is great. Now, this is interesting because as I talked about on some of these previous games, we're getting some statistics, Kevin, that are finally start to add up for us, right? Not the case we with Toronto with left-handed pitching. They just haven't seen it all that much. Case in point, Bo Bichette, six at-bats here versus left-handed pitching this year. Vladimir Guerrero, four. Lourdes Guriel, seven. I mean, there's not that much to go off of where you'd like to see that 40, 50, or 60 at-bats. But having said that, they've still struggled here. George Springer has nine at-bats versus lefties this year, Kevin. A 714 ISO power number and a 638 weighted on base percentage, which basically means he probably went yard once or twice in those nine at-bats against left-handed pitching. But then you get into the numbers here where they haven't faced a lot of guys. But also keep in mind, take a look at some of these numbers. Bo Bichette, a zero ISO power number for lefties this year. Vladimir Guerrero, zero. Lourdes Gurriel, zero. Matt Chapman, a 111. Kirk, a zero. Tapia, 083. Zimmer, Zero. Now, the one guy that actually does a lot of damage, along with George Springer from left-hand side, that's Espino. 462 and a 593 weighted on base percentage. But that's not enough for me, Kevin, here from that side. So then we flip it over and say, well, what value do we typically get on the Yankees in this one? Ross Striplin's not a great pitcher, but actually has very good numbers here in 2022. A 373 XFIP number here. And take a look at this. 25 batters from the left hand side, 37 batters from the right side that he's faced. Keep in mind, again, Stripling is a right handed pitcher. He's dominated lefties, a 180 weighted on base percentage, righties, a 286. Both of those ISO power numbers below a one. So, again, looking at this saying, okay, let's take the under here. Oh, say it ain't so, Kevin. Say it mm. ain't so. That's not how you want to draw it up. But it, no. it, it, it's where the
3: numbers bring it. I'll just add yeah. this quickly, though, Donnie, because you mentioned Espinal. his numbers versus lefties, batting mm-hmm. 400 on the season. Like Jordan yeah. Montgomery, he's faced six times. He's got a hit in four of those six at-bats. DJ LeMay, has got really good numbers, as he seemingly does versus most, uh, and he's obviously been been re- playing really well um, against Stripling. If you go hit a prop parlay, LeMay, Espinal's 135. So that's the one thing there. You know, if you can isolate, you know, singular guys, you can kind of find some value still in that way. We'll go, Donnie, to Mets Braves. I'm actually really excited for this series because the Mets, uh, now they've won seven series in a row. At some point, you expect them to lose one. But you'd really love to, right, prove a point here. It's Atlanta, the first time they're going to play the Braves, defending World Series champions, super low, low total. All, But i got to stop saying that for the Mets games, Donnie. This is just the Mets total yeah. right now. Even though some of their games, obviously, we saw last night, you know, explosion. But the pregame numbers, Donnie, a flat 7, minus 118 on the New York Mets. What do you think?
4: Used to be that little fall off that you played on Sunday night baseball and had a little bit of a down, you know, Monday because it was a late game. You got out when most of the teams are getting out early. But quite frankly here, the Mets were going to be at home. Where do they play? this night? they played at home, so they're going to be in their own bed anyway. So I don't know how much of a downtrodden effect that's going to be. But having said that, I do think the Atlanta Braves are going to be live today. Max Fried's on the mound. He's one of my favorite pitchers in Major League Baseball, particularly here in the NL East. A 3.07 XFIP number doesn't walk very many batters at all. And Take a look at his numbers on the early season. Lefties are supposed to dominate lefties, as you always hear me say. At 163 weighted on base percentage and a zero ISO power number, Freed has faced lefties this year. He's dominated them. Now, to right-handed bat, which typically you're going to have some trouble with, He's actually faced 78 right handed batters, Kevin, on the season. A 250 weighted on base percentage and an 068 ISO power number. I think he sets up great against the Mets today. Now, if we take a look at the Mets, another good start. It seems like every night, no matter who's on the mound, is a good starter for the Mets with Bassett. A 398 weighted on base percentage. Good strikeout props here. He's dominated right handed bats. Now, he is a right handed pitcher, but lefties, a 342 weighted on base percentage, which is a little bit elevated, and an ISO power number of 178. But you do have some pretty good batters in the lineup tonight who have matched up against right-handed pitching here for the Braves. Olsen, Riley, Ozuna, Albies, DeArnaud, and uh, Demeriti, they all have above average ISO power numbers here. So I do think if you're looking to take a short dog price tonight, maybe you should be able to take it with the Atlanta Braves. I'll tell you this as
3: well. We talk about the Mets' hot start, Donnie. The Braves are three back of Miami, the Marlins in the NL East right yeah. now. There's six back of the Mets. I know it's early; nothing's over. Mets will tell you the Mets last year, Donnie, and approaching the All Star break had a a lead that looked insurmountable. And I remember you telling them people like, "I think Atlanta's going to win this division," and they obviously they did big plus money and all that fantastic stuff there. But at some point, it feels like Atlanta needs some level of statement. The other day. Ozuna and Albies are yelling at each other on the base pass because Albies thinks Ozuna's like asleep at the wheel on third base. Ball gets behind home plate. It's been a rocky start to the season there in Atlanta. They could, I mean, they just dropped the series, you know, in Texas. This team could use a bounce back spot here. Easier said than done. We'll see if they're able to bring that in. We go back to the NBA, Donnie. Let's start with this here, mm-hmm. the Joel Embiid injury. The Embiid injury is. I I don't think it's a stretch to call it heartbreaking. His healthiest season ever, and ultimately he feels as deserving as can be for an MVP award, and he was basically, Donnie, under the impression he was going to win it the whole season. They take that with about a month left from underneath his feet. So he goes, all right, I'll go into the postseason, and I'll prove it. Injures the thumb, I'll play through it fractured orbital bone, four minutes left in the basketball game, and is now going to miss the first two games, at least, by the way, at least of this series here versus Miami. Donnie, your reaction to the news
4: around Joel Embiid? Just terrible. I mean... Sometimes you could say you can replace guys like, oh, Middleton's out, or Zach Levine is out, or Jimmy Butler's going to miss a game. It's hard to say with these true superstars of a team, which are MVP candidates. Like, how would you feel about the Denver Nuggets if Nikola Jokic was out? <laughs> They're not going anywhere. It's almost the same feeling that you get for the Philadelphia 76ers, unless you get unbelievable performances by Tyrese Maxey and James Harden. But it's not the fact is. Joel Embiid does so many things defensively and offensively, which opens up the entire court for the Philadelphia 76ers, where now you're going to have DeAndre Jordan getting major minutes, Paul Reed getting major minutes. You know, as we talked about that center by committee, it's a really bad committee that you're going to put in where you usually have that unbelievable, because everybody in the NBA for the most part has very good guards. It's rare to have teams with very good centers that can play 37, 38 minutes, that can hit three-point shots, that can hit elbow shots, that go to the free-throw line and make 85% of their free-throw shots. And it's not like, okay, he goes to the free-throw line two times a game. No! He's routinely going like 14 of like 17 from the free throw line, which is an incredible advantage to have in a guy that draws fouls. So when you take a look at this series on its head, was well, it going to be hard for the Philadelphia 76ers to beat the number one seed in Miami? Heat? sure it was going to be, but now it just seems even more insurmountable when quite frankly, wouldn't you be shocked? Joel Embiid didn't make the trip to Miami. So there's no Joel Embiid going to show up on court game two and say, Hey, look, mm-hmm. I'm ready to play. Put me in coach. They're not going to let him do it. And also keep in mind, it's not even the orbit fracture that he has on his face, which you could put a mask on and you could probably play a couple games into the series. What's more important to me is the concussion that he settled. There's no guarantee that you clear concussion protocol games for games three and four. And also keep in mind, when you have a concussion in your protocol, Kevin, you're not working out. You're not running up and down the court, Mm. dunking basketballs and shooting three-point shots. You're probably at home in a dimly lit room just trying to get over the headaches that you probably have been having here. Devastating scenario for the Philadelphia 76ers, Kevin, overall.
3: Yeah, it's a good point, right? It's why there's that uncertainty if it's game three, if it's game four, or or what's going to happen. And by the way, he still has the thumb injury that he has to battle with. So you now don't have him beat for two games, and even if he comes back game number three, he's 80%. And you're playing a Miami team that we know obviously has been one of the best all season long. I'll I'll bring it up quickly, Donnie. How -hmm. much, if at all, do you blame Doc Rivers for having Joel Embiid out there in the final moments of that basketball game?
4: he does get some blame, but it wasn't one of the, like, what you what's he doing? I can't believe he's out there. The Sixers wanted to close and close strong, and I get it. It's about four minutes to go. He was probably only in for another 30 seconds or so, but it's not a great look for Doc Rivers that you do have your superstar in, in a blowout game scenario, but it was almost one of those, like, let Joel Embiid have some fun because you saw the play where he was flying back, like doing the plane motion. Ah, look, he's probably mm-hmm. coming out right away, and he gets drilled in the face here with an elbow. Not a great look for Doc, and it's a shame it happened, but, it is what it is, I guess you could just say. It's the playoffs. I get it. I know there was,
3: you know, still four minutes left in the game. Doc is losing his mind with the defense. Like, oh, the game was in the balance until about, you know, five minutes left. They were up 21 going into the quarter.
2: 21 points. They're up
0: Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
5: Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts.
1: No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. All
3: right, we're back here on Sports. Let's dive into these games. We talked about the situation around Joel B, the fact that he's not playing. We've set the scenario enough. That the expectation is that Jimmy Butler Pate Miami Donnie, though, is rocking up with a regular season level injury report here. Tyler Hero, Jimmy Butler, PJ Tucker. But I- I'm assuming these guys are going to be playing tonight. They're a seven and a half point favorite. The total is 208 and a half. What is catching your attention for Heat Sixers? <laughs>
4: I mean, I got to tell you, like, you look at the over-under, Kevin, and it seems extremely low at 208.5 here at the FanDuel Sportsbook. And I say to myself, like, Joel Embiid is the cog that makes the Sixers go. Now, is somebody going to say, well, hey, now they can get out and run? Joel Embiid's a pretty athletic center. It's not like he slogs up and down a quarter, quite frankly, runs the fast break darn near a good portion of the time when he gets a rebound. So if I look at the starting line, this is the Sixers' starting lineup tonight. Maxie, Harden, Danny Green. Tobias Harris and Paul Reed I I don't know how they compete other than the contrarian view that says there's no pressure on the Philadelphia 76ers maybe the Heat take them lightly and the Sixers can steal a game I don't believe it and the line is seven and a half Kevin it's not 17 and a half so it's not like an automatic easy victory for the Heat and you're right the Heat have their fair share of injuries here, but the fact that the injuries to Joel Embiid and the Sixers sink or swim with Joel Embiid pretty much leaves everything else up in the balance. I did see the report on Jimmy Butler where he does expect to play in this game, but it's Gabe Vincent, Max Strus, Jimmy Butler, P.J. Tucker, and Bam Adebayo. That's not a lineup that sends shivers down your spine. Says, How can we ever beat that lineup? But without Joel Embiid, where does the burst come from the Sixers? And you can get a James Harden 30- 14 and 9 performance, and then still get smoked. Look, the thing is, (laughs) Harden has played
3: zero games without Embiid in Philly. So I want to tell you, Harden will turn it back. We'll find out. I have no idea if that guy still exists. He was very efficient in the closeout of game number six, he was efficient. Like I have no idea if he can score 30 again. Like to be honest with you, Donnie, I will be encouraged even if they lose if James Harden goes out there and gives you a Donovan Mitchell game. You know what I mean? A clunker. But hey, I got to 32. Uh-huh. Like, I-, I don't know. I don't know if that's in the in the back pocket there for James Harden. To be honest with you, what? What?
4: Now, here's the issue tonight. Like, here's the issue with the trade market tonight for the Sixers. When they got James Harden and how impressive he was. He actually had a very good series here in the previous uh, games that they lined up. Now, when you move it on, if James Harden struggles tonight, I got a bad feeling in the city of Philadelphia. Like, phone lines Mm -hmm. lighting up like, man. This guy is a bomb. Like I'm talking, if he has like a 19 <laughs> nine and like four night, and they get yep. beat by like 16 or 17 yep. points. I got a feeling they're going to treat him. Like he's like, man, I told you we should have kept mm-hmm. Ben Simmons here in Philadelphia. Oh boy. Oh, boy. listen. Hey,
3: b- 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 no playoff losses on Ben's resume this season. Uh, a couple of, a couple of items here that catch my attention. One, The Miami Heat series spread the other day, Donnie, was two and a half at plus money. I thought it was a little bit strong, even though I think the Heat win the series in five. Somehow, them saying that Embiid will be back in Philly, change it to one and a half minus 122. That's very, very palatable to me. They're going to be, again, seven and a half now point favorites in all. Miami... Embiid is not in Miami. Like, he's not coming. He can't play in the first two games. Miami should be up 2 0. The series spread at that point will be 2.5. So, Miami minus game and a half looks really nice here. For the total, I don't know if I have what it takes to bet under 2.08.5, but it's the right bet. All five games against Atlanta went under in the Heat Hawks series. All uh, five of the six in the games I believe that the Sixers played versus the Raptors were four of the six, went under the total. But more so, Donnie, 12-4 and four to the under this year when the 76ers are a road underdog. That makes a lot of sense. Last piece of business for me, I know that Harden wasn't there. I don't really care. Tyrese Maxey, 22 and a half. His last three games played without Embiid. 25, 28, and 33 points. Maxi Donnie's the guy that I actually think might be the lead scorer. So the fact that his points prop is lower than Harden's I think cre- uh, creates some value.
4: Yeah, it does. And actually, it's kind of funny as we're doing this live on the show. They did lock all the lines and also Grab the back. player points and props, so they did it perfectly here to try to keep DRS off one of these bets. But having said, you're like if you're looking from a Sixers perspective, it's either going to be James Harden or it's going to be Tyrese Maxey. the guys with the ball in their hands the majority of the time, and they can shoot as many times as they want because, quite frankly, they're probably the only two guys that can actually get their own shot off here, as opposed to just setting up in the corner like we've seen Tobias Harris and Danny Green do. It's going to be a tough night. Offensively for the Sixers. So maybe even as you look at the total itself, maybe like a Sixers team total under even makes some sense here because outside of the Sixers, just going, let's play Loyola Marymount basketball like back in the early, the late, the late 80s and early 90s where you want to score 141 points by just chucking up three point shots and running as fast as you can. What's the game plan for Doc Rivers? I'm interested to see what Doc brings to the table tonight or if the Sixers just roll over and get pounded tonight and everybody goes, well, they should have got pounded, and they did, no surprise here. Oh, Doc
3: said, now listen, it was not our fault, obviously. We didn't have him beat. I mean, so I'll be back next season, no problem. I mean, (laughs) Doc, Doc, I cannot believe the Doc press conferences these days, Donnie, where he goes through a laundry list of reasons. As the why they were lo- blowing 3 1 leads. Like, man, the starting point is you were up 3 1 in the series. Like, you lost. All right, man. Anyway, Don, let's do Suns Mavericks here. Phoenix is a five point favorite at home for 215. Let me start with this, Don. I don't re- really remember exactly where you were on the Devin Booker situation. I can't believe he played in game yeah. six. I didn't even think he would play in a game seven if there was one. I really didn't. I wasn't even sure if he'd be ready. For this series, he played 30-plus minutes, Donnie. What are your expectations in terms of actually Devin Booker and Luca health perspective going into this series?
4: Yeah, quite frankly, I think both of these teams are surprised and happily surprised going, man, we might have just dodged some bullets here where you got both of these guys, one with a hamstring injury, one with a calf injury, and you didn't re-injure it, right? You didn't come back and have a doomsday scenario. But I have to tell you, one of the more surprising ones was Something Like Devin Booker, I didn't think might, would even return for the previous series, let alone playing in game six, and then saying, okay, it wasn't a cameo performance. Like, hey, Devin Booker's out there. They're going to have to worry about him, and just for Chris Paul and the rest of the guys to see him on the court was a morale boost. They said, no, he's going to play his normal minutes, so get out there and get after it. Now, I didn't see any reports here, Kevin, over the weekend that said he was any worse for the wear, saying, oh, man. Maybe we shouldn't have played him over 30 minutes here, and now he's going to be on a minutes restriction. He might be questionable for game one. So I'm looking at Luka Doncic as healthy. I'm looking at Devin Booker as being healthy. So if we're just getting both of those guys back, I got to tell you, I see the minus five and a half here. If that spread stays around that five level, I really like the Phoenix Suns. If you give me a healthy Phoenix Suns team on their home court, I expect them to win. And if I expect them to win, it's am talking about, like, oh, I don't know if they can win by five or more. No, they should be able to win and win by margin. That's where I sit on this one.
3: Yeah, for me, Donnie, Phoenix has just been not a team to lay numbers with. They have a losing record against the spread as a home favorite this season, despite the fact that they win almost all of those games, it feels like. Like, they're 34-9 straight up as a home favorite. They're 21-22 against the number in that spot. They just – they've not been a reliable bet against the spread, despite how consistent they win. You know, even that – That one game, Donnie, the first one in New Orleans without Devin Booker was game three that they won by three. That was kind of depends when you got the number type of scenario. So I'd feel more comfortable, I think, with the five. I think it's why we've seen the number work down from that six range here. It's another low total. Uh, We have seen Dallas play some stone cold unders. This is one where I really want to let the tempo of the series kind of present itself before I'm, you know, necessarily running to the window there. Devin Booker Donnie with a point prop of 23-and-a-half, though, really catches my attention. Uh, He played 32 minutes in that game. Now, he wasn't great, right? He only got to the line twice. He was one of six from three. But that was on Thursday. So he's had off, you know, three full days, and he played 32 minutes, and it's 23-and-a-half. Like, I'm not – paying for big Devin Booker numbers, Donnie. What do you think about that?
4: I, I really like it, and I think it's one of the bright spots here of the game because, you know, my eyes typically drifted. Chris Paul's tree to be very well throughout the season saying, okay, Chris Paul's 17-and-a-half at a plus-100 price. He probably gets to 20, right? Sign me up. But I got to tell you, like, Devin Booker routinely booked in that high 20s, 27-and-a-half, 28-and-a-half, 29-and-a-half, and higher. If you tell me, keep it simple, if you tell me tonight Devin Booker is going to be on the same playing field as when we last saw him against the Pelicans, meaning I'm going to get 32-plus minutes. I would take Mm -hmm. that bet every single night at 23-and-a-half and and live with it here because if Devin Booker is out there, he's not really going to be out there to be a decoy. Maybe last game a little bit more so saying, hey, I really don't want to stretch out my hamstring all that much. But then again, you still take 12 field goal attempts from the field. If I'm getting 30-plus minutes out of Devin Booker, which I anticipate tonight, you got to go over 23-and-a-half. It's the only thing that makes sense on that. And to be
3: honest with you, one thing you can really do if you're like he's plus two I actually thought you'd be getting a lot more to be honest. he's plus two fifty to score thirty, I thought you'd be getting a lot more than that. I'm so but they kind of know, right? Like if he goes over, Don, he might catch fire. But I, yes. I think the Devin Booker numbers make a lot of sense. What are his three point props checking in at here? Two and a half plus one twenty six. It's plus money. But he doesn't necessarily need threes as much yeah. as you would think for a player. Of his caliber. Donnie, let me throw out another guy. A guy that you actually I feel like were betting on way, way earlier in the season, Jalen Brunson. His points prop is 20 and a half. To the, you know, maybe a casual better. They go, ah, Luca's back. He's not going to be involved as much. 23-24-24. Those are the three games he played with Luca against the Utah Jazz. I mean, Donnie, he he got in every single one of those games. I'm a little surprised that the number is 20-and-a-half. What do you think about Jalen Brunson as we enter this spot here coming up against the Suns?
4: Like, I guess the only fade part would be that maybe the spotlight is getting brighter here, and you're expecting to do more against a better basketball team. But if you just take a look at the Utah series as a whole, Doncic or no Doncic, 24, 41, 31, 23, 24, 24. And you're also taking a look at a kid that doesn't shy away from shooting here, Kevin. 17 at field goal attempts, 20, 18, 22, 25, 24. Again, sometimes you just have to play. You hear Kevin and I say this many times. What's the usage rate going to be? I don't know. He's going to take 20 Mm -hmm. field goal attempts tonight. Sign me up immediately for that over prop. It's not one of those where he's like, oh, he's going to go back into the background here. He hasn't done that with Luka back and has been in the 20s for the previous three games. He should be in the 20s again tonight. Makes some sense.
3: Yeah. Bullock's interesting. I mean, he made three threes in all, but the closeout game, his three-point props, two-and-a-half. Uh, I'm interested to see, you know, how McCall Bridges and DeAndre Ayton's workload look like with... Uh, Devin Booker back in a full way. I think that obviously makes things uh, interesting as well. That total 215, Donnie, d- did you have a
4: lean over under? You prefer unders, I know, in the postseason. You do prefer unders, but I got to tell you, are you getting a little bit of a discount here with Doncic and Booker being healthy now, though? Maybe an over for me here.
3: All right, not bad. I'm not mad at that. All right, should be fun. Two game number ones yeah. underway as we are really now into round number two of the NBA playoffs. Before you go anywhere, coming up next, got to listen up here on the Daily Line.
4: All right, last segment of the day here for a Monday right here on the Early Line. Sirius XM Channel 159 right here on the Sports Grid Network. And we did wrap up a fantastic weekend of draft coverage. And now we put our eyes back on the prize in the NBA. I gotta tell you right now, injuries starting to pile up with superstars in the NBA? Yep, and you need to listen up. All right, before we hand it over to the morning after with Ben Stevens, and yes, I'll be making a guest appearance here on Monday. We got to talk about the NBA here, what's taking place, and injuries, and the NBA playoffs starting to mount up, and also with key superstars. Yesterday, we had two game ones. Today, we're going to have two game ones. But if we take a look at the game one today, Marred by injury, why? The Philadelphia 76ers MVP candidate, Joel Embiid, with a fractured orbital bone and also a damaged shooting hand. And oh, yes, a nice mild concussion thrown in there as well. But the Sixers aren't the only ones feeling the heat, no pun intended, from the injuries of this NBA postseason. You also see Jimmy Butler actually had to miss a game in the Atlanta Hawks series to try to calm down a knee that started to flare up. You also see Luka Doncic, who missed the first few games of his series, even though the Dallas Mavericks were able to recover and advance. Doncic and his calf injury hopefully that's all in the rear view mirror and from the same series which we're going to tee it up tonight between the mavericks and the suns devin booker came back from a devastating what looked to be a devastating hamstring injury early on in his round one series returned back for game six in a clinching scenario and played over 30 minutes will he be able to do the same in this series as well and how about yesterday Luca, excuse me, in the Milwaukee Bucks series, you had Chris Middleton go down with an injury who knows when he's actually going to be back and the Bucks still went in to the Garden and played great basketball. It's all ahead here, which teams can overcome the adversity is where these teams are going to make their bread and possibly win an NBA championship. I'm rooting for the Sixers tonight. They need all the help that they can get. But you know what doesn't need a lot of help? Coming up next, Ben Stevens in the morning after. Over the next couple of hours, stick right here with The
1: Grid.
0: Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas